I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Mother of us all, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. This past Friday morning, I attended the memorial service of the Reverend Dr. Larry Stuckey. Now, you may not know that name, but um, in the Methodist church world, the name Reverend Dr. Larry Stuckey is, uh, well, pretty well known. He's Professor Emeritus of Worship and Preaching at my alma mater, Wesley Seminary, but he was much more than that. So if you go through this hymnal here and you open up to dozens of pages, well, he wrote the words that are in many of them. He actually helped to put together this whole book and this whole book. He dedicated his life to teaching thousands of students, thousands of future pastors and church leaders how to do this thing we call worship. Now, he would have said he was teaching you how to do it correctly, though worship is an art, and so is art ever wrong? Well, he probably would disagree with that. But he was someone who touched so many lives and continues to have his words read over and over and over again. The basic communion liturgy and baptismal liturgies that we use in the United Methodist Church, he wrote. Okay, the man even had prayers written in his funeral service that were in the hymnal. So it wasn't like it was insert. It was open to page 873. I don't know if that's the right one or not. But you open to this page and there is a prayer by Larry Stuckey. And he's someone that has an impact way beyond even just those students that he taught because he taught Mark Schaefer who helped to uh, develop this community over the last decade and a half. And so the influences of uh, Dr. Stuckey are even seen in how we do worship here, how I do worship, because I also, while I didn't have him as a professor, I read his books in my worship classes. And I hear that if you read his books, you heard his lectures. So it's kind of like I've read or I've heard his lectures. It's kind of like he taught me. He was this man who was this great pastor and teacher and leader. And he had so much influence on the modern United Methodist Church. And so in some ways, we've lost one of the greats. But while we mourn the loss, uh, another professor emeritus who is one of the best preachers ever, uh, 
first day of worship or of preaching class, he started out giving a lecture. By the end of the class, it was a sermon. I don't know how it happens. How does a lecture turn into a sermon? And it was fantastic. And we were all like, yes, because it was that fantastic. And this was the Reverend Dr. Bobby McLean, um, who was actually, so he was my preaching professor. And so I hope I can just, uh, I hope I can even be half or a quarter of the preacher he was, he is. Uh, but he said this on, on Friday, We offer thanksgiving not for what has been taken, but what has been given. When we lose someone, it feels like there's something missing there. That's why we say we've lost someone. But one of the things that we get to do as the church is remember that it's not what we have lost, but what we have been given. Because the reason it is so hard when we lose somebody is because they were someone important to us. And this is what we call the saints of the church. Those people who have gone out before us, who have left an incredible legacy. Though when we talk about what an incredible legacy is, and when we talk about saints, we don't necessarily mean people like Dr. Stuckey, who has his name all through the hymnal. And we don't mean just the saints that have been beatified by the Pope. I'm talking about saints, like you and me. Because saints don't just exist in the past. You don't have to wait until you die to become a saint, but we talk about the saints that have come before us, are here now, and the saints who are yet to come. And that is why we celebrate today, All Saints Day. It's the day we remember all of the saints that have gone before us, all of those people, whether they've been famous people, well-known preachers and teachers and had impacts that you can count the thousands, or it's somebody much more ordinary. All of the saints. There is no degree of sainthood. Sainthood is based on being a faithful follower of Christ and doing our best every day to do that a little better. So sainthood is also not about perfection. Forgive me for a moment. <laughs> you know, this is what happens when you go for away for a weekend and you don't have time to write your sermon until you're on the plane flying back from Atlanta this afternoon. Uh, I didn't have time to go over it. So this semester we've been on a journey. We're continuing on a journey. Our journey is almost coming to a close for this particular series uh, this semester. And we've been talking about what it is that we as Christians believe and do. And today what we, I want to talk about is what we as Christians do is look towards hope eternal. And I want to unpack that a little bit. First of all, one of the things that often comes up when we talk about eternal life, all of you, when I say eternal life, I bet have some image of something in your head. 
Now, maybe it's like one of the, the first hymns we sang, where it talked about the pearly gates and the, the roads made of gold. Or maybe you think of your mansion in heaven. I don't know if you ever heard about that. Some people will say that's what we get in heaven. Or maybe you think of uh, St. Peter with a long beard. He's a white man, of course, because what else would St. Peter be? Uh, and he's standing there at the gates of heaven with his clipboard, making sure that none of the unsavory types get in. You know who I'm talking about, the unsavory types. Or maybe, maybe you think of angels on fluffy clouds strumming harps. Maybe those are the things you think of when you think of eternal life. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you something here tonight. Oh, or maybe this one's really important. Maybe you think of finding loved ones and friends and family who you're meeting on the other side. I need to tell you something tonight, and this is very important, so everybody listen up. I can neither confirm nor deny pretty much most of these things. Because the Bible says a lot of things about what eternal life is in sometimes vague ways and sometimes in really brilliant imagery. And if you read the book of Revelations, it has some really great things to say about the new Jerusalem and what that'll be like. And well, then there's all kinds of questions about is the new Jerusalem here? Is it physically here? Is it in heaven? What is that like? Well, here's the thing about the eternal life in the Bible. What exactly happens after we die is not entirely clear, except this, that eternal life begins now. And eternal life is a gift from Christ, from God, for each one of us. And so eternal life isn't just this thing about what happens next, this thing that all of us can dream about and think about and uh, hope about in the spot. Uh, it's something more. It's more than just what happens next. Eternal life actually begins now, and it actually has begun a long time ago. It actually began before the beginning of time, and eternal life will continue long after the end of time. Eternal life is the hope that we have. And so when I talk about hope eternal, I'm talking about eternal life. Because the hope is that the changing world is not just on me. It's not just on you. And even though we should spend every day seeking God's transformation, every day working to change the world around us, to make it a better place, whatever I don't finish in my time, God continues on in the saints who will come after us. The brilliance of if eternal life isn't just now, is it's not just me. Eternal life continues on. Eternal life continues to work. Because after all, the work that was begun by Jesus wasn't concluded by Jesus, as it were. He handed it on to the disciples, 
who handed it on to their followers, who handed it on to their followers. And now we find ourselves 2,000 years later continuing these practices. Maybe we don't do things the same way. Maybe we don't say things the same way. Maybe it doesn't look exactly the same way. This is based on a 2,000-year-old garment. I don't know if that counts. But eternal life is something that is continuing on. It's that eternal hope that God is bigger than me and that we are a part of this great body that continues on forever. And it's composed of the great communion of saints, all working to share God's hope for a better tomorrow and even a better today. And so eternal life is this great gift, not limited to this life or even the next. And it's this gift that says there is so much more than we can ever imagine or dream up. And so please dream about what uh, life after this is like. And know that even what you dream, if you dreamt every moment from now until the end of your life, would only be a little bit of understanding what eternal life is. Because that's how big this is. And that's why we place our hope there. Because it's so much bigger than me. It's hope that things can and will get better. But, hope is another word I want to unpack a little bit for you. Because hope is not this happy-go-lucky, pretending everything is perfect and good and will work out if we just believe. Hope is looking in the face of adversity and saying, what is now does not have to be, and even being bold enough to say, will not be always. Sometimes our greatest hope comes in our times of adversity, the times that I mentioned last week, because sometimes when all we're doing is hanging on for dear life, all we can do is hold on to hope. And so eternal life is this thing that we hold out hope for. And so we have this hope eternal as Christians. That there's something more. There's something bigger than us. We have faith that God is bigger than me. That I don't have to be in control. That I don't have to fix it all. And it's this hope in the body of Christ, the communion of saints, all of those who have come before us, all of those who will come after us, all of those with us now. And it's why today in particular is a very important day in the life of the church, because we want to honor that work of all of the saints who have gone before us. The saints who have carried us into the faith. The saints who through their lives have shown us what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, like I was saying before, these come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and different backgrounds and um, some are like Larry Stuckey. And so many others go completely unknown by most. But they matter to you. They matter to me. 
folks like my grandfather, who passed away in April at the age of 89 after 25 years as a widower when his wife died of cancer just as they were retiring. A man who I think did some important stuff. But in the grand scheme of things, well, none of you know who Jim Heath is. And that's okay. He's still one of the saints. Because the truth is, that's how most of the saints are. I imagine most of us will not be on the grand stages of life, though I hope some of you are. And I hope you remember me when you do. <laughs> Most of us will live our lives and we will faithfully follow God and we will share that with those we meet and we will love the people around us and we will care for everyone uh, that we meet and we will do our best to be followers of Christ and do our part as this thing called the body of Christ. And we too will be part of the communion of saints because we in fact already are. Now, I also recognize that All Saints Day is kind of a really important day in the local church because any church, uh, just about, will have folks who are on their latter half of life. Folks who will pass away in the normal course of life. Uh, and so you always have those special saints you remember every year. In fact, the practice of my last church was we would pick one of the saints who had passed away that year and make them a part of the sermon because, well, you want to honor the saints of the, who had helped to build that church, helped to live out their lives in that church. And the truth is that, thankfully, no one has passed away in this community, at least not that I'm aware of. And not just us, but of alumni. Um, and if there have been, please, there will be a time later on in the service where we can share names. But I imagine for some of you, you don't even know someone who's died yet. I could see that being a possibility. I mean, I'm a decade older than most of you, more than a decade older than most of you. And I can count on two hands the number of people I know that have died. And most of those were my grandparents. But the point of today is to honor those who have passed. And even those that we did not know. Now, one of those is, and please forgive me if I mispronounce her name, is Janae Davis-Smith, who was a part of our AU community and died on Thursday night. Now, I don't know anything about her other than she died on Thursday night. I can't say that I ever saw her or met her, but we want to lift her up today and remember her. Because the other part about this sainthood thing is even though if you're never famous, your life matters. Everyone's lives matter. And we want to honor every life 
when we celebrate the saints. That's why after this time we're going to have a naming. Rick and I are going to read a little litany and invite you to, um, to take some time and contemplate those who have died. I'm going to share some ways in which in the broader world folks have died, not anyone necessarily particular. And then at the end, I'm going to invite you to lift up names of those who you have loved who might have passed away this year or maybe even in, in the past. And after you've had communion, we're also going to welcome you to, to come up and light a candle. A sign that the light of someone's life isn't gone, even if they are not with us anymore. And so we get to remember today, to remember all of those who have gone before us. We get to stand with those who are hurting today. We get to remember and to live into that hope eternal that connects us all. That hope eternal, that there is something bigger out there that we are a part of as the body of Christ. We get to remember the saints. And we get to cry. And we get to smile. And maybe even laugh a little. I was sharing with somebody not too long ago that when we lose someone, you know, sometimes we feel like we've got to bottle it up or, you know, we don't want to cry or we don't want to be seen, seem angry or we don't want to laugh. Oh, heaven forbid. But you know, when we laugh or we cry or we scream, we honor our loved ones. Because our tears are the sadness that they are no longer with us. And our laughter is that they brought joy into our lives. And we remember that. And our screams are because we are angry that they are no longer with us. And so each time we feel those feelings, each time we feel those hurts, we are honoring those we love. And so I want to also, before I finish tonight, give you permission that if you need to scream or you need to laugh or you need to cry, you do that. Because I want you to honor those who you love, who you have lost. And remember this. In your sadness, in your tears, in your laughter, in your screams, this community stands beside you. That doesn't always make it easier, but it's nice to know we're not alone. It's nice to know even more that not only are we not alone here tonight with these those of us that are gathered here, but we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses of 2,000 years of history. The cloud of witnesses of this community that's been built over many years. 
cloud of witnesses of the alumni who continue to pray for us, contribute to us. And we remember this very important fact. You are not alone. Amen. So as we, um, as we share something, we invite you to reflect and uh, to remember in the pauses. And then at the very end, um, and I'll say this again, I'll invite you to lift up the names of those uh, who would you, you would like to remember tonight. We remember the great ancestors of our faith, from Abraham and Sarah to Paul and Phoebe. <coughs> we remember the prophets and priests the ministers and teachers who have taught us the way of God. We remember the ones who step from safety into danger for others our first responders and military who have lost their lives in this year. We remember the ones who lost their lives because of racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, and all the other ways we continue to profile and stereotype and divide ourselves. We remember those that lost their lives in the pursuit of justice and equality. We remember those who died because they lacked clean water, proper sanitation, and or inadequate source of food. We remember those who have died in war zones and those who have died trying to reach freedom and safety. We remember those who lost the battle with mental illness.
We remember our grandparents and parents, aunts and uncles, those who have gone before us in our lifetime. We lift up the memories of children and grandchildren, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, parents and friends whose lives ended too soon. I invite you now to share the names of anyone who uh, you might lift, like to lift up this evening. Jim Heath. Karen Howard. Almighty God, we give you thanks for all of these saints who have gone before us, those who have raised us in the faith, those who have fought the good fight, those who ran their race, those who lost their lives too soon. All of these we lift up to you tonight, O oh God. Amen.